Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is Podcast 212. Today, I want to begin to pull together all the different elements of the Passover meal itself. And next week, I'm going to be bringing it home as to what it means to the follower of Jesus. Now, in order to do that, we're going to begin to just summarize what we have learned so far. First of all, the Passover is a Jewish commandment that God gave to the Jews as his special people in the book of Exodus. The book of Exodus in the Septuagint, the word Exodus means Echodas, the way out, the path out. So it is the entire journey from the time that they received word uh, from Moses and Moses received word from God that indeed it was time to leave and all the escapades concerning Pharaoh and, and the hardening of his heart and the plagues, all of that is put together in the Passover. Now remember from the time that Moses brought word to the children of Israel that he was going to deliver them, that God was going to deliver them from their bondage that they had been in for now four centuries. They had been away from the promised land, and God was about to deliver them. Remember, when they had gone into the land, they were highly favored. But a Pharaoh arose who did not know Joseph and all the mighty works that the God of Joseph had done in blessing the Egyptians. And so because of the number of the Israelites, Pharaoh began to use them as slaves to build his cities and his monuments. They cried out to God, and after a period of time, God heard them and sent a deliverer in Moses. And you know the story of Moses when he was young, but he fled to Midian, and when he came back, he had the power of God in his heart and the symbol of the power of God in his hand, the rod of God. And you know the story of how God told Moses and told the people in the book of Exodus chapter 6 that he would separate them, he would set them apart, that he would bring them out with a strong and mighty hand, and that he did through the ten plagues, that he would be their redeemer, he would redeem them, and that he would bring them into the land and be faithful to the promise that he made to the fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob. That's the book of Exodus at the beginning, and the story from chapter 6 all the way to chapter 12 is the story of the plagues and the confrontation with Pharaoh. When we get to Exodus chapter 12, God says, here's what I want you to do. I'm going to bring you out on tomorrow, and I'm going to bring you out with a mighty hand. And I never want you to forget this night, because in all of the other plagues, I have separated between you and the Egyptians. But I'm going to send the death angel through the land tonight. And whether it is Egyptian or whether it is my people, People, the Hebrews, unless I see blood on the door of the sacrificial lamb, on the doorpost and the lintel, and you're inside the shelter underneath that blood, 
then I am going to send the death angel and kill all the firstborn in the land. There will be no exceptions. And so you know how God told them on the 10th day of the month, the first month of the year, the month of Nisan, the month of Aviv, the month that would become springtime to them. He said, I want you to take a lamb, the very best in all the flock. I want you to pull it into the home. I want you to take care of it, to love it, to nurture it for four days. And on the fourth day, on the 14th of Nisan, I want you to slay that animal. And I want you to roast it in fire. And I want you to put the blood on the doorpost and on the top, on the lentil. That's going to be your sign of payment and deliverance. Here's the meal I want you to eat. And he laid out all of the different elements. And he said, I want you to remember this for the rest of your generations. For all of time, I want you to remember who I am, what I've done, our relationship. And I'm going to do that through a memorial meal. And so here's what you are to do. And God told them how to do it, but he didn't tell them how to do it. But he said, I want you to pass it down to the children from generation to generation. I want you to tell the story of who I am and what I've done. And so from that time that they were delivered by the mighty hand of God, when they got into the land, they needed to have a method and a means for passing on consistently from generation to generation, down through the centuries, from family to family, that every family would be telling the same story. Every family would have the same elements. Every family would ask the same questions. Every family would give the same answers because this was to be a generational thing. It was to be a unifying thing that would bring the nation together around the story of redemption. And that's exactly how God has used this down through the centuries to keep his people in unity. Not because they all thought alike, not because they all looked alike, not because they were all the same color, but it was around an idea and a concept of redemption and who God is and what he had done that would keep them together. And so God gave them this moed, this appointed day when he said, every year I want to meet with you and I want you to rehearse who I am and what I've done. And so that's what Passover is all about. And so the people needed to have a formula for doing that. And so down through the centuries, the priests and the Levites and the sages and then the rabbis later, uh, closer to the time of Jesus, they put together an elaborate ceremony where every year the families would get together. If it was a family that was very small, then they would get together with other families and they would celebrate who God is and what he did on that night when he brought them out of Egyptian bondage and into a beginning of a life of freedom. And so that's what the Jews celebrate in Passover. Now, this coming weekend, we'll begin the Passover for 2021. By the time we have our meal on April the 2nd, the Passover will be ending, and we will be toward the end of the Passover. And it's going to be a tremendous time when we can all come together and see what the Jews do all the time. Now, you say, why are we celebrating this? Why well, we're not Jews. No, but we, as the followers of Jesus, follow 
Yahweh Jew, and we rose out of the practices of the Torah and of the prophets and the writings. Yes, what we call the Old Testament. You see, the Old Testament was the only Bible that Jesus, that Peter and John and James and Paul, that's the only Bible they had. The New Testament wasn't written. And so they preached the Messiah out of the Old Testament. One of the things that they did when they were celebrating, remember, for the first almost a decade, a full decade after Pentecost, it was a church made up of only Jews. So they continued these appointed days, but now it had new meaning because Jesus had given Passover new meaning. And so we're going to discuss that in great detail. Remember, this night to celebrate, this night to remember that we're going to have together on April the 2nd is not just about the Jewish Passover. No, it is about the redemption from sin and the slavery of sin and a brand new beginning of freedom that is in Jesus, the Messiah. So this is going to be a wonderful night. And we're going to pull it all together where you can see what the Jews did and how the women would come in and would light. Because why? A woman is what brings light into the home. And so we're going to start the evening with the women at the tables lighting the light. And we're going to say a blessing over that. And then we're going to start down the rituals that Jesus more than likely would have followed very closely to what we're going to do. And we're going to see how he would have interacted with his disciples, who would have done the talking, how they would have eaten and what they would have eaten. And we're going to have those elements on the table. And then we're going to drink the fruit of the vine together. And we'll do that four times and there'll be four blessings given. We're going to actually do it three times like they did the night that Jesus was betrayed. We'll wait to drink that other cup with the Lord himself when he serves us during the days of of the millennial reign, the time when Jesus will come as Messiah. His feet will touch down on the Mount of Olives, and he will enter into a new temple that will be built. And the Bible says he will rule and reign for a thousand years. And during that time, the Passover is going to be observed. During that time, the Feast of Weeks, Shavuot, is going to be observed. During that time, Tabernacles or Sukkot is going to be observed. You say, wait just a minute now. I thought Jesus was the end of that. Jesus is the end for the payment of sin. And that's exactly what he did when he died on the cross. He said, it is finished. But the work of God did not end at the cross. No, it was a brand new beginning, a new chapter, because the story of God has been written from eternity past, and God is writing it out, and we're living it out every day. No, folks, we're not out of control. It doesn't matter who's in the White House, doesn't matter who's the king, doesn't matter who is in the parliaments of the world and the dictators of the world. The God who made the world is still in control, and he's writing the story in our lives every day because the story has already been written out and he is in control. And we're going to see that, that he's going to rule and reign one day. And so that's where we're going to end the Passover that great night on April the 2nd. 
And so it's going to be a time when we bring all of these elements together. And after we have gone through the questions, we've gone through the story of the four sons. We're going to eat a wonderful meal together after that second cup. Then after supper, we're going to take the cup, just as Paul said Jesus did, just as Matthew said Jesus did, just as Luke said Jesus did. After supper, after we eat, we're going to take the cup of redemption, and I'm going to share with you what Jesus did that night when he broke that middle loaf and said, this is my body. No longer is this going to just be about the lamb, the lamb that's without blemish and without spot, who brought about deliverance through uh, his death and uh, brought about deliverance from bondage and slavery into the life of freedom. And not only did God use that lamb for that, they were to eat that lamb. They were to feast on that lamb. And that's what we're going to do that night. We're going to see what Jesus said about that, and we're going to feast on his person and who he is. And it's going to be a wonderful night. After we have done that, we're going to take the cup of redemption. Yes, it was the cup that they celebrated for the shedding of the blood of that lamb that was put on the doorpost and the lintel. But that night, we're going to remember the blood that was shed to deliver us from the bondage of slavery to sin and the life of freedom. And then we're going to learn what they did after that. When Jesus said, I will not drink of this cup, that fourth cup, the Hallel cup, the cup of praise. And we'll learn why he did not drink that. The praises and the hymns that they sang, the Gospel of Matthew said they sang a hymn and went out to the Mount of Olives. Now, we know that at the foot of the Mount of Olives is a garden. And in that garden is a wine press, Gachmonia. It is the place where Jesus would have gone and prayed and been in great agony before his arrest. We're going to go over that next week, and it's going to be a great time of learning. But for now, I want you to just pull it together and remember why we're doing this. We're doing this because it's God's appointed day for his people. We're doing this to understand what Jesus was doing the night that he was betrayed. It's not that we're Jews trying to make Jews out of you. We are Gentiles. We'll never be Jews, and we don't need to be. God didn't make us that. But he grafted us in to the great covenants and the promises that he gave to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And of those spiritual promises, we are partakers. We have been grafted in. But the land promises and the lineage promises, those are to the people of the Jewish DNA. They are the sons of promise, and we are partakers of that great uh, spiritual covenant that God made with Abraham concerning the Messiah. And so that's what we're going to talk about the rest of the time, and we're going to go over the elements, and I'm going to lay out for you what a Passover meal would look like in the next three to four days, and then we're going to end the last days in just going over really what happened after supper because that's when things really get exciting for those of us who are partakers of the great promises of God in Jesus the Messiah. For On The Way, this is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On The Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast.
That's questions at TonyCRISP.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.